Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Spark London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. We tell them every month at the Canal Cafe Theatre. This story was performed by Stephen Kirk when the theme was Just My Luck. My story starts with a fridge. It wasn't any old fridge. The fridge belonged to my boss. And he'd allowed me to use his villa in Italy for a holiday, a cheap holiday. And he said only one thing, that was... When I left the flat, I should close the fridge door. In fact, sorry, he said, well, I should open the fridge door. Even now I get it wrong. <laughs> but there were two fridges, and one fridge was closed and the other was open. So I worked on the principle that you just leave things as you find them. And I left the fridges, one door closed and the other open. I got back to London and told him this, and he went so berserk, went purple in the face, and screamed at me so much that I had to resign. The next morning, I realised that I had nothing to do, and he realised that he probably made a mistake, so he agreed to pay me some consultancy fees, but I actually wouldn't go back to the job, and I had to figure out something to do. I'm a very lazy person, and uh, so I asked my mates, what would you do? And they had really stupid ideas. And then one day I was in the bath, and the phone rang, and this is absolutely true, and it was a guy from BT who told me, and this was 1983, something like that, he told me that BT had some information services that they were selling at 10p a call, things like the cricket scores and uh, racing results and things like weather time. And uh, they were going to privatise it and they were looking for people to, to set up private companies. So I'm a bit of a mathematician, but I am still lazy, and I did some figures and I worked out I'd make a, a fortune if I could persuade newspapers to put telephone numbers in their columns for racing results, weather and so on and so forth. And uh, I needed some money to get the computer to do this. So, and the figures were so amazing. I took it to a bank, 3i, who now are quite well known uh, for owning things like Agile for Volta Tour and stuff like that. In those days, were very unknown. And uh, they agreed to lend me some money. So I got the computer, and then I had to work out what services. So um, I got a guy who, I met a guy who was the racing correspondent of LBC Radio called Colin Turner. And he and I got on very well, and then I managed to blag my way into a, uh, a meeting with the Daily Mirror. I know nothing at all about racing, I'm not really interested, I've never been to a race meeting. And I needed to field a team, so I was interviewing a woman uh, for a job uh, in the company, and uh, I had to get to this meeting at the Mirror in about an hour's time, and she said I used to work in a bookmaker's. 
So I said, fine, you come along too. So we all tooted off to the mirror and we managed to get a racing contract. And like that way, similarly blagging my way, I managed to get contracts with all the major papers. And then just for good measure, uh, I went also to TV stations and I started to get what is now known as premium rate services on TV. And I was really full of myself because we were turning over millions of pounds in about two years. The only problem was that everybody else noticed. And uh, I'd also bought myself this huge house in Hampstead Garden suburb. And uh, interest rates were rising. Property was falling, similar to today in a way. And I had negative equity, so I actually didn't have enough money anymore um, to do anything. The company was having lower margins, there were more competitors. And we were really um, going up Ship Creek very quickly. And uh, I then thought I must sell my company really fast, either to Robert Maxwell or Rupert Murdoch, which is against the odds if you think about it. <laughs> anyway, Colin knew someone who knew Robert Maxwell, and so I managed to go and see him. He stood on his desk, blew an alpine ho a horn, uh, looked at me lovingly, and uh, basically nothing happened after that. But it was very entertaining. Um, <laughs> So, um, it got to a day which was um, D-Day for me, which was I had £4,000 in the bank and really things were getting very tight and my house was now worth more, less than my equity. Yes, it was worth less than my mortgage. And there was a gap and it was growing every week because of this uh, mortgage broker who had persuaded me to take on this mad mortgage, don't ever do it. Um, so then, with the £4,000, and somebody said to me that they knew of these pundits in India who could chart for me, and uh, they would change my fortune. And so, funnily enough, to get the pundits to chart for me was £4,000. So I did what any rational person would do, and I sent off the money to India. <laughs> um, and uh, I got a call back saying, thanks for the money. What you have to do is get up at four in the morning and meditate for three hours. Uh, so, and you have to do this for ten days. So the first day, I got up at four in the morning and meditated for three hours. Went to the office completely knackered. Got to the <laughs> office, and they said, well, the computer's broken down. I said, great. And they said, if it's not fixed very quickly, the mirror will pull the contract. So I said, great. And the computer wasn't fixed. And the mirror rang up and said, Mr. Maxwell says he's taking away your business, the business from you, and that was worth £3 million a year. I then crawled under the table in fetal position and sucked my thumb, <laughs> to the amazement of all my staff, <laughs> and the phone was ringing, and for me. And the guy said, uh, there's a call here from the Times. And we had a really, really tiny contract with the Times, and I thought they were giving me a bollocking. But a guy says, um, are you interested in selling your business? So I said, hmm, yes, as I ha happens I am, thinking, you know, maybe he hasn't realised that the time service is actually working at that moment. And he said, because of the guy called John Evans, who'd like to meet you, and he works for Rupert Murdoch. So I said, oh, fine, fine, well, when would you like to meet me? And he said, well, turn up tomorrow at the Stafford Hotel. So the next day I tooted off at the Stafford Hotel, not knowing what John Evans would be like, and very surprised to see someone who looked like Doctor Who. Now, not Doctor Who, who is currently on TV, but the original Doctor Who, who is William Hartnell, um, who had kind of long hair and looked like a mad Welshman. And he, was, he had a guy called Robert Potter sitting next to him. And Robert Potter was like Dr. Strangelab. And Dr. Strangelab didn't, didn't say a word or do anything in time, during the, in time if you pop and take notes and stare at me. 
I got on quite well with John Evans. Uh, time doesn't allow me to tell you much about him, but he was a mad, mad Welshman, basically. And uh, we chatted about this and that, and he said, I think Rupert would really like you. I said, fine, and that was Friday. And meanwhile, the Indian pundits were still chanting. <laughs> on Sunday evening, I was completely knackered because I'd be getting up at four. Uh, and about nine o'clock, I was in bed, actually, because I was just so tired. <coughs> Phone rang, and it was, hi, it's John Evans here. Rupert would really like to see you tomorrow. What are you doing? He's not doing anything. So I said, well, as it happens, I'm not doing anything either. I had a really busy agenda, including taking my car to be serviced. And I was kind of wondering how I was going to do this and go and see Rupert Murdoch. But somehow I thought to myself, if I drive it to the forecourt of my office and there's a taxi waiting, I'll just throw the keys at reception. If not, somehow or other I'll drive to the garage and get a cab and it'll be fine. I drive to reception the next morning and there's a taxi discharging. And I throw the keys at the, the uh, reception guy, the guard get into the taxi and say, take me to Wapping, please. This was in the middle of all the industrial disputes there, and the guy says, you're not going to see that Rupert Murdoch, are you? He's the right bastard. And I didn't say anything. Um, I go into, uh, into, into Wapping, and much to my surprise, um, there's a pass for me to go and see Rupert Murdoch, and I go into an office, and there's Rupert Murdoch with a, with a series of acolytes, and I don't really know what to expect. But he comes over to me, and much to my amazement, he's very friendly, very normal, and he asked me a few questions about the business. And he says, I know a guy, he's in your business in America, called Stuart Chaptel. Now, Stuart was a friend of mine, so this is really good. So then I said, I know Stuart, he's a friend of mine. And we have said, fine, in that case, how much do you want? Um, <laughs> luckily, I'd rehearsed this discussion in my head. And I mentioned a figure, and he said, well, it's a bit rich, is this? I said, maybe, but it's what I needed to pay off the mortgage, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I didn't tell him that, I didn't tell him that much. And we asked a few more questions. He said, right, well, there you go then. We're buying your company. So I walked out along the, uh, along the corridor and I said to John Evans, what was all that about? And John said, we're buying your company. It took a few moments to sink in what that meant. By, by that Thursday, which was more or less the end of when the pundits in India had finished chanting, I'd sold my business, which was completely against the odds. <laughs> For more stories or to take part in next month's show, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.